Hi, and welcome to Total Rewind, the Filmmaker's Compass podcast, where we take a look at movies 30 years and older and see if they still hold up. I'm D-Man, joined by CP. CP, how are you doing today? Good, dude. How are you? I'm a little hesitant to get excited about this movie. I am excited to talk about it, but after having seen the movie for the first time, let's just say I was not blown away. Um, <laughs> oh, gee, I wonder why. If you want to go ahead and introduce to our listeners what movie we're talking about here, because it was kind of tough to watch. It was interesting in a way where you're like, how did this get made? And also, you know, I'm like, did it make money? <laughs> you know, that's something that I was really curious about, and I couldn't find any stats on the on the success of it and what the original budget even was, because I'm curious of that myself. So if you are wondering, audience, we watched the 1989 film Arena, and you never heard of it. I guarantee Most likely, it. I had never heard of it. When you said it, I was like, I don't know what that is. There were a couple different movies called Arena or had Arena in the title. So when I was looking for it, after you told me that was the next movie that we wanted to take a look at, I was like, whoa, how did this one slip by me? But now I understand. <laughs> you know, I guess this was 89, although the movie on Tubi said 91. Yeah, I don't know. I actually researched that. I could not find anything. There's very little about the film. Since it was an independent film and it was released in the U.S. and Italy, I'm assuming those dates was the Italian release date and one of those was the U.S. release date. Oh, okay. Maybe I don't know which was which, though. <laughs> so just audience, just a little backstory. The arena is, well, apparently someone in the 80s watched Star Wars and loved it and watched Rocky and loved it and said, what if we take both of these and try and make the greatest film ever? Except no one in it is talented and from a filmmaking perspective or an acting perspective or a writing perspective. And we're going to shoot it on the budget of half of a Star Trek episode. That's, that's what we're how dealing. it comes across. Yeah, that's kind of how it comes across. What's fascinating is, so the film itself, I don't know what the actual backstory is, again, around the production of how this got made. It is a bit of a mashup. And the thing that's missing most is the film feels flat. It doesn't really seem to have a lot of heart or enough of a backstory for your your main characters that can really get us, the audience, to invest in the outcome of what's going to happen. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen this movie, I would turn off the podcast now and go watch it and then start this podcast when you get back. But if you just want to stick it out on the show with us, essentially, there is an arena where these on people- On a space station. It, yeah, on a space station that basically the space station itself looks kind of like a rundown Death Star, but populated by the cantina from Star Wars A New Hope. They make these fighters go off against each other and they add in these weird rules about like, apparently there's a tech system involved that like levels the playing field based on people's weaknesses and strengths, which I don't know why. That is in an odd way, like the point of fighting is essentially there's these rich people and they're basically hosting a tournament where people fight robots and people fight people and everybody can bet on. That's what it seems like. So the story itself picks up with these two characters, you know, kind of friends at a diner and essentially they end up in money trouble. And the other guy who has consistently beat the crap out of everybody that came to beat the crap out of them must now compete in the arena. And I mean, he's the first human to dominate in the arena in forever. Apparently, people did not think humans could do this. And he ends up winning. Surprise. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so 
so I don't know. To me, the story felt really flat, uh, one-dimensional. It didn't feel like the characters themselves were making choices. They were constantly kind of forced into situations that pushed them into the next scene. And there was no backstory kind of for the characters and no world building to really give much depth to the story overall. So it just felt very generic. Like, this guy's going to have to fight in the tournament. That's pretty much my assessment of that as well. It also, considering it's a movie about boxing, it misses the heart. This is a, a little over a decade after Rocky, right? When you compare it to like, could have, you could have created this story where this dude's a really down on his luck underdog and this is his chance, but he's like the most like reluctant, like he's like, oh yeah, yeah all right. Like, it, I guess I have to. It's like just weird. There's no motivation. There's almost, he's almost an unlikable main character. Now, obviously they're trying to make an ambitious picture here, right? As you said, you know that they were inspired by all the awesome science fiction films of the eighties. And it bleeds over into what this is. It's just, it's not done with the level of detail. You know, the effects, obviously there's trouble. They obviously spent money on puppetry costumes. Some of the makeup's actually really good. It's just yeah, it really everything else. A, it has is, a cantina vibe, you know? I mean, even the, the guy, Shorty, his friend has like four arms. Kind of looks like a fat Goro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? It's just, it's done without the realism that something like Star Wars is. Yeah, I mean, we have to give a, you know, a tip of the cap to George Lucas for pulling off Star Wars because when you see other science fiction movies, other, you know, movies in the genre, in, in this movie, this is true as well. They fire lasers, there's a couple special effects shots, and you're like, man, Star Wars could have ended up cheesy as hell. I mean, just terrible. And it didn't. That's just a testament to George Lucas's vision. And I mean, this isn't supposed to be like a Star Wars love fest episode but the movie that we saw the arena is just such a great example of like why star wars and the movies that we love are so special because they could so easily end up in the dollar bin all of you uh you know gen zers that's a reference to old dvd bins <laughs> I mean, everything's streaming now i think you bring up an awesome example because at some point in the in the pre-production meetings of this film they just assumed hey we can do what they did with star wars and you can't you know, you can't just replicate the vision of someone who's a real cinematic genius. And part of it is this world just falls flat. Dustin, you say this all the time on this show. You look at scenes from Star Wars and they look like a painting. There's yeah. so much detail. There's so many dimensions of foreground and the background and so much life that George Lucas puts on every single frame. And it feels like it continues beyond. This is the opposite. It feels very forced, feels like sets, and it doesn't feel like this real world. Yeah, unfortunately, because as cool as it would be to be on a space station where they're hosting a death tournament, that would be kind of cool. It's like Mortal Kombat in space. And I'd right? be down for that if the movie was done well. But it just, it just isn't. So again, that's taking a look at the story, right? But we can also kind of excuse effects and excuse some of the uh, like set design and stuff in favor of a story that has great heart and maybe a, a really great arc for their characters. You know, that's a reference to, like you said, the endearing love of early Star Trek. You know, that may not have had the highest production value, and yet people love Star Trek, and it endures, and that's mostly because they created memorable characters, they put them in fun situations, and the story itself had heart, it was about something. To that end, you really got to find out what those elements are if you're going to be bringing some sort of science fiction to life. But I will say, like you, you mentioned, I thought the costumes were 
uh, pretty decent. I thought the set design was pretty poor. <laughs> it never really felt like a lived in world, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, even when they go down like the ladder to like Shorty's little like hangout area, there's people down there. It just doesn't feel like that would ever be a real place. It just yeah. feels like they needed a place for this scene. Yeah. Music, totally not memorable. You know, I mean, again, you look at something like Star Wars. I mean, it, the, the music itself alone, even if the rest of it was cheesy, the music is like iconic. And if you take that music out, you're like, Star Wars isn't Star Wars. And to that end, you know, this, it's like, I can't even really remember. It's just generic. It's like, it's like 80s synth pop. Yeah, you know, it's just generic. And you're like, I don't know. It, and for what reason is that contributing to, you know, our sense of world or the, the like the story, you know, because even, you know, Star Wars uses, I guess they called it like an organic soundtrack, which is a reference to the fact that most science fiction at that time used a lot of synthetic tones and things like that because they just associated that with science fiction. Well, George Lucas came in and said, no, I want my music to have themes for the characters and it's all uh, an orga organic sound. It's done by an orchestra because this is like a giant space opera. Even that like you know here is missing it's just not not there so i don't know i mean villain you gotta have you gotta have like a great villain to really elevate your story and in this case i'm not even 100 percent sure exactly what he's the villain like a, is he, well it's like that, he's a that, rich guy he, yeah he's kind of like a mobster slash boxing promoter slash count dracula character when he just wants the main character to fight and lose <laughs> yeah but it like it's just weird because it's like they want him to fight but then they're gonna rig it i mean why go through all that trouble again many questions <laughs> with this film very few answers as i was doing research there's virtually nothing on the internet about it and obviously i assume that this was an independent film the producer involved actually was the producer who released the original halloween Oh, interesting. I did see at the 70s. beginning, I was paying attention to the uh, productions. It was called like Trans Something Studios or something. Yeah. And that's the company producer, Erwin Yablins. That was his uh, production company. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, I was watching, I was like, who made this? And <laughs> don't know. It's just, it's weird to me. There's so much of it that I found curious. Again, you know, this was made at a time in the eighties where there's so many great kind of martial arts inspired films. I mean, you that's know, true. but it's weird in the sense that it doesn't have all the uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Karate Kid. Yeah. Like there's like all those movies were out and Bloodsport came out the year before. American audiences were really eating up, right? These, these combat type movies. Yet I found it very funny that the fight choreography is so poorly done. Really, really crappy. Yeah. It's literally just like if you just took some random dude, and you're like, oh yeah, just go in there and kick that dude's ass. I was just kind of confused because I'm like, I'm assuming you could have gotten when this is a big thing and there's lots of actors from Hong Kong cinema and all these other places around the world coming to be part of mainstream American film as as audiences are starting to like these types of movies. You just would have thought that they could have put it together better. Yeah. There's so many films out of Hong Kong cinema, which you know the budgets weren't even this high. The set design didn't have have this sort of budget yet they're better movies and the fight choreography alone you know makes it worth watching and i thought that was a huge missed opportunity in this film yeah i mean even if you're like listen we're gonna set this on a space station this you know science fiction fight arena you're like at least have some cool fight scenes then 
right? Like you got to deliver on that. So at least at the, at the very least, we're like, dude, this story is terrible. But like that guy got his arm ripped off or like, you know, it's like they, uh, did you ever see the movie story of Ricky? No. Okay. It's this like Hong Kong cinema movie that was at one point, I think considered like the most violent movie ever made. And it's just about this dude, Ricky, who gets put in this Hong Kong prison and everybody's just trying to kill him. And so like he'll kick people into like giant meat grinders and stuff. And it's absurd. (laughs) But the fact is they own the absurdity and they compensate with great combat and fight sequences and fake violence. And this movie had none of that. Yeah, the robot looked like, uh, what was the robot from uh, the movie we reviewed on this show, Total Rewind? Robbie the Robot? Yeah, he looked like Robbie the Robot. Probably was based on that. Probably. I mean, let's face it, like you can watch robots fight on TV now, and that's probably more interesting. (laughs) Again, missed opportunity all around. I think if I have to find a selling point for this movie, I'm not sure that I can. You know, Shorty was pretty cool. I mean... That guy did the best with what he was given. There's side boob if that's your you're into that and that's what you want in your films. I like when they're like sitting down eating and they put on music and it's just like a hologram and you're like, oh my God, the song's not even good. Like <laughs> there is a sweet 80s montage if you uh like oh, your yeah, montages. That, I mean that it's not redeeming, but <laughs> it's not the worst. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess just you know, to kind of sum it up, obviously, no, I don't think this movie holds up. I don't think it held up when it released. But, you know, it's, I don't know, it's one of those things where I feel like if they were able to inject the main character with a great arc, maybe a redemption arc, maybe, you know, if you're talking fight movies, maybe his dream is to be champion of the arena, like something to give it that jolt of heart. We might be able to enjoy the movie itself, despite its lack of of production value. But the fact that the story doesn't deliver, I mean, really dooms the movie from the beginning. That, and I think, almost going to paraphrase what you just said, but part of it is this main character is just not a likable guy. So aside from him not really being forced to make any actual decisions of weight in this film and take choices and deal with the consequences, part of it is he just isn't super likable. When you compare it to something like Rocky, right? where Rocky is this lovable loser who you feel sorry for, and he has heart. You want to see him succeed. This guy, he's kind of a jerk. He can't really hold down his job. He's kind of grumpy and standoffish (laughs) with everybody that he meets. And you're like, why do we want to see this dude succeed? Yeah, and I think ultimately that's why the movie, uh, you know, I don't know if it was ever any good, but it doesn't hold up. It's just, you got to have those elements somewhere in there. You got to get us, if it's a fighting movie, you got to get us rooting for someone. Even if the villain is a real bastard, I mean, get us to root against him. Or maybe the hero is so lame that we want to see the villain kick his ass. But you got to get us somewhere. You know, you got to get us invested a little bit. Yeah, and that's just not the case with this one. So I'm going to ask you, does it hold up? No, this one does not. And I mean, had a feeling that was going to be the case going in. I'm always, you know, waiting to be pleasantly surprised. And with this, it was kind of exactly what I thought it was based on the poster and the trailer. So to our listeners, if you're considering watching this movie, I would advise that maybe skip this one. But if you want to get the context for what we're talking about, you can always go check it out on Tubi, which is where it's streaming for free. So the arena. Now, throw it over to you. Do you think it holds up? (laughs) No, um, I actually... So backstory, we 
D-Man and I were talking about, you know, the next group of movies we wanted to do. And there's so many great movies we talk about. And I feel like sometimes it turns into a little bit of a nerd session where we just gush over all these amazing films and how as an audience, you have to watch them because they still hold up and are amazing to this day. So I thought, what's something that's actually bad? Um, well, have you seen this before? Oh, I had, I have seen this before. How I did you see this? Like what? Twice. So in college, we would get together, me and a group of people, and we'd say, let's find the worst movie we possibly can. And, you know, you know, we'd bring a couple six packs and we'd watch the worst movie and just mystery science theater. it. Yeah, and things are coming together. It makes more sense. This was one of those. So the person that brought this actually brought it. And he was actually like, this is one of his favorite movies as a kid. He's like, guys, you got to watch this. Huh. This is amazing. And I just remember being like, in what world are you talking about? This was amazing or is amazing. Like... It's a joke. So doesn't hold up. Never did. Never will. But I imagine if you want to have a couple laughs, you could definitely make a good time with some friends. Yeah, it's definitely a movie that's not one of those, you know, bad movies that redeems itself. It's not. It's a bad movie. So you need the six pack. (laughs) What I'm saying. That does it for our episode. You know, it was fun to take a look at something that A, I've never seen before. And B, you know, like you said, we're often watching great movies, which I'm not complaining. But sometimes, you know, to truly appreciate how great some other things are, you got to watch the type of movies that make you remember. Not every movie ends up like this great. Really hard to do. And C, sometimes it's fun to watch a movie and know you're never going to watch it again. That's true. If you guys are interested, give it a shot. The Arena on Tubi. If you have any thoughts on this movie or if by, you know, the luck of the Irish, you've actually already seen it, leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. And if you haven't seen it, let us know if you're going to watch it. I mean, did we sell it one way or another? I'm kind of fascinated to see if anybody's like, you know, they said this movie was so bad, I kind of want to check it out. (laughs) So be sure to keep the conversations going on social media. You can find all of our links at filmmakerscompass.com where we stream on all the major podcast directories as well as post our episode to all our social media channels. You can follow me at BigKidDman. You can follow CP at NDCal5. CP, I'm going to throw it over to you. Take a second. Thank you for hanging out and talking about the arena with us. I would normally say, you know, keep watching movies, but I want you to just not the arena. We'll see you next time. (laughs)